For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, sir. Hello, Dan. And this evening, we're going to take a dive into the wonderful world of real estate. Very hot, hot world of real estate here in Montreal. And, and cutthroat. I mean, there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of brokers. There's a lot of advisors out there. Not easy. Tanya and Tiffany will be along from Proprio Actif. They've been together for about 10 years. They met each other in real estate school and developed this business, and they're going to join us in a little bit. And later on the program, a tax partner at FL, Ernie Furt, our regular contributor, joins us again to talk about real estate and taxes, of course, because it can get complicated there. Uh, but first, uh, some new stories and a question of the week. I'll start, Josh, with uh, with talking about business and networking and social media. Uh, as you know, I'm not a, not a huge networker. Two, two, out, of, two out of the three. <laughs> topics I like so much. Um, but I have to say, uh, you know, you know how on social media, there's like hockey Twitter, or there's like expos Twitter, you know, whatever niche you're a part of, you can always find a community with the right amount of followers or the right hashtags, there's always someone there for you. And so I've noticed the growth of Montreal business LinkedIn in the last couple of years, especially. I mean, we have people that we had on the show, actually, who are super competent professionals who are these LinkedIn celebrities getting tens of thousands of interactions and, and exposure sometimes uh, on a weekly basis. And I'm wondering, uh, what advice would you give to these sort of LinkedIn influencers? How much networking is is too much? And is there such, is there such a thing as too much uh, networking and too much exposure? I, I don't know if there's too much networking, but the question is, what do you plan on getting from the networking? First of all, are you a professional? Are you selling a product? Are you selling another type of service? Kind of where where do you stand as an entrepreneur at the get-go? If you're selling a product and you just want to get all that product out there and show the benefits, well, there's there's probably not enough because you need that constant visibility and constant brand awareness. As as a, a service person, uh, it's also it's constant brand awareness and all that. But what do you what are you brand awareing? I know that's not a term, but but what 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 are you what are you displaying? You know, as a professional or as somebody giving services, do you, is your reputation going to be built based on your social media and what you show out there, or do you build your reputation and then display that on social media? How will you know for people to to go in your your marketing, your networking? You want to show them what your knowledge is. You want to show them what your product is. It's easy for a product. You know, it's 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 static. You can show it. You can talk about the features as a as a professional or somebody that's offering service. Well, you need to try and display your knowledge. You need to you know try and 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 ensure that your reputation is that of somebody giving professional services. How do you do that? Do you again? I come back to it's. Is it a chicken and egg? You know, you want your visibility. You want to be out there all the time so that your name gets recognized. But you also want to ensure that the knowledge is done. So if you if you're constantly educating people online and you're displaying that knowledge, I think that's great. If you're networking and doing a whole bunch of other things and just making sure your name is out there without displaying that knowledge, what does that really add other than name recognition? Which mm -hmm. isn't bad, but is that really what's bringing in dollars into your business. Yeah, I think the larger debate is on influencer marketing. It's not something that, that we do, but it certainly has been effective and, and frankly has worked on me. You know, I, I am inspired by brands that have a powerful spokesperson and that project confidence. And, you know, I think of some of these LinkedIn Montreal celebrities, there are a couple that I've found that I've had professional confidence in and it works. It, I, to some degree, I think it works, but long term, for, I'm not sure. For product or for service? 
good question. I think it's for in both cases for services that I'm thinking of. Yeah, people that, that I've seen that they're out there, they're putting themselves out there. And for some reason, just the act of putting themselves out there inspires more confidence in me as a consumer. No, and if that because if that is somebody that has a great reputation and has known not to steer people wrong or not, you know, to give yeah, false exactly. information, yeah. well, that's great. But there's, you know, I don't, you know, I don't follow the influencer world, but I'm sure there's a number out there that, you know, take their money, you know, call name the product online and and run with it. All right. Well, let's just want to pick your brain on that. So yeah, have, have some substance along with the influencing, ideally. Um, this is interesting. A fashion story uh, that you want to get to today. This is from uh, from Fast Company. Rent the Runway. Um, tell us about that. So rent the. This is more about partnership. This is more about rent the runway. For those of you who don't know, it's online. It's it's clothing online. Uh, you know, renting your clothing. Uh, guess a little bit of sailing sale in the clothing business. Uh, they're teaming up with Nordstroms. So they're teaming up with. A bricks and mortar store to develop a brand and maybe bring it online. I think there's, you know, we talk a lot about consolidation in different industries. I think this is this is a level of collaboration that can truly help both sides because you're you're really mixing and it's two different brands. So you're really trying to get the most of everything. Now there might be a little bit of crossover from the customer niche that that they're both seeking, but I don't think there's a ton. Uh, although I don't have the stats, so you can't quote me on it, but it's two two rather different markets. And for them to collaborate, I, I think is tremendous. And I think the message here is you never know where your next best partner is going to be. And it might not be in your exact field or exact sector. Think outside of the box because sometimes one plus one can make three. Back to social media. Says the accountant. <laughs> Back to social media for a second. And this is from entrepreneur.com. Uh, Instagram has now began uh, begun hiding likes. So when you see a post, it's not obvious how popular that post is. Um, what does that mean for brands and, yes, for influencers that, that we mentioned earlier when their currency is likes? Well, I, you know, I could throw the question right back at you. You know, is a, is the, are the number of likes really is that what defines what a great influencer is? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's really, is it really more about the, the content? Is it really more about what, you know, we spoke about content a lot uh, last week, Dan, with the Image Salon, but just likes in and of itself, impressions in and of itself, you know, is, is one factor, but it, I don't think it's the be all and end all. It's where is the substance behind that content? And I think Instagram, I think, I think it's a great exercise because the whole goal is to have solid, I guess, real content and real opinions and not just the question of likes and influencers. So I, I think it's I think it's kind of great that Instagram is hiding it. And but what it means for the brands and the influencers is you might actually have to develop your opinion and write a little bit more and 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 really get to know what you what product or service you're influencing. Or know, use, how do you see that with all the likes? Well, I was going to say, or, or use other metrics that are more reliable over the long term. I've always said that likes and uh, they use different, uh, you know, they have to expand the parameters for, for success in social media now. So they use engagements, they use views. Uh, this can mean, you know, if, if a post scrolls by you for a split second, they can count that as a view, for example. So it's very deceitful, those metrics in general. So over the long term, we're going to have to sort of, find a way to judge uh, what is successful content uh, beyond the immediate because Facebook hires a bunch of neuroscientists to get you to click on things, but they don't hire them to get you to remember things. So that's, that's I think, the evolution of this conversation eventually. It, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, what we've heard time and time again, what we kind of see is authenticity sells. You know, being genuine sells. 
just because there's a lot of likes doesn't mean there's authenticity behind it. Doesn't mean yeah. there's a lot of reality behind it. This from entrepreneur.com. One-on-one meetings are the key to great leadership. Uh, how do you do a one-on-one meeting efficiently, Josh? Well, so first of all, you, you, you really, you, one-on-one meetings are designed, first of all, one-on-one meetings are not designed for the person walking in, not designed for the boss. It's designed, and it's not necessarily designed to, to go and, and just suck out information uh, and knowledge from the employee. It's really to to make some type of connection, to make something meaningful. So, you know, we, we keep talking about talent war. We keep talking about it's hard to keep people. So uh, one great way is to actually spend time with the team, spend time one-on-one with the team. So there's a few things in there that uh, this article, and, and it's so true because uh, bosses, entrepreneurs that run, a, that run teams really should every now and then go and sit with their, with their, with their team members one-on-one. Don't make it about you. That's, you know, rule number one. It's not about you. You're going in there to make them feel comfortable and make them, you know, or help hopefully that they feel more comfortable. Um, Don't skimp on chit-chat. It's okay if they talk about their kids or what they did for the weekend or if you remember what they did at the end of last week to follow up on it. It actually shows that you care and and it really ties you in more. And I will will say one thing. If you're truly sincere – about having a one-on-one with somebody you work with, one of your 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 team, one of your staff, put your phone away. <laughs> Don't sit and talk with them and keep staring at your phone. All right. Coming up next, we're going to get to our guests for the evening and talk a little bit about real estate. Uh, we're going to speak to the owners of Popio Aktiv, and uh, they will be along in just a second, uh, Tanya and Tiffany. But professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. And let's welcome our guest into studio, Tanya Bonney and Tiffany Rothwell of Proprio Active. Uh, welcome to you both. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. It's an honor. Now, the easiest question of the night could be a hard one. And and sometimes it's obvious, but sometimes it's not so obvious. What is Proprioactive? Tiff, take it away. (laughs) Proprioactive is a full-service real estate company. Um, It's a team of six brokers and two staff members kind of trying to change the world of real estate one little step at a time. With our own style. Yeah. Now, what does that mean, full-service? Um, It means that we provide everything. When it comes to selling, buying, um, flipping, renovating, designing, we have a full, uh, our office is full of home staging. There's really nothing that we won't do to get the property sold. We take care of renovation design, video, drone photography. Oh, yes. We have it all, A to Z. Excellent. Now, so let's, let's now go backwards in time a little bit. When did you guys start this? Or when did you guys, like, get together and meet? (laughs) <laughs> 11 years ago. Yeah, we uh, we actually met in real estate school. Uh, Tanya and I joined at the same time. Um, I don't know what it was like for you, Tanya, but for me, it was instant. I saw her and I was like, yeah, she's going to be my work wife for it the rest of my life. It was love at first sight. <laughs> 
She's married though, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> no, but we had a bit of success in the past. Tanya had an event planning company. I had, you know, I was doing a bit, you know, well in tech sales and bartending on the weekends. And um, we just saw eye to eye and decided to partner up. And uh, We shared the same values and we joined forces, so to speak. Now, yeah. you know, you know, very little going, like, this is a tough business. This is not necessarily for the faint of heart. Right. Uh, you're, at least you, you found, did you, did you guys realize that if you pair up, you might have a better chance of success than just doing it on your own? I think so, yes. And, uh, you know, we believe in abundance, too. It can be cutthroat, but we're very open company. Um, we regularly host masterminds with other agents from different agencies, and uh, we believe there's enough to go around, so. Yeah, and I think getting into real estate was definitely difficult at the time. 10 years ago, there wasn't the same technology. We didn't have these fancy drones and things that really wow clients. So Tanya and I started by cold calling, and cold calling is 100% rejection. So when you talk about having thick skin and kind of just going for it, not fearing rejection, we, we totally saw eye to eye on that. Our average was literally one to a hundred. A hundred <laughs> yeah. no's for every one yes that we got. A hundred doors slammed for everyone that said yes. And to be honest, we loved that. We thrived in that environment. I don't know if it's because we're competitive or because we had each other or maybe both, but we we just loved it. And rejection was something we became used to. We didn't let it stop us. In fact, it was something that motivated us. Yeah, I agree with that. That was well said, partner. <laughs> so, so guys, you mentioned uh, the, the drones. What other edges are you guys applying to make your business stand out? And what is a super competitive real estate market in Montreal right now? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think home staging um, sets us aside from a lot of different um, agents who are in this industry right now. Mm -hmm. I think also virtual home staging has changed our business because yes. it's something that we've kind of mastered so if you have an empty property or if your property isn't you know furnished the best way sometimes they're 50 year old homes and the furniture is also 50 year old so we come in there and we can design a whole new kitchen a whole new bathroom we can put furniture that looks like it's from a magazine and that's all included in our service it's not an extra is that an off-the-shelf software you're just using the, the technology that's out there yes it's a free program you just Excellent. have to go out there and find it. But literally, it's because people are visual and uh, we're able to show them different options that yeah. are out there for them. And Tanya pointed on home staging. I think a lot of teams, what they do is they hire a home stager and it is a big expense. It's about $1,500 to the client. And the home stager comes in, kind of revamps the space. Tanya and I were like, how are we going to invest in ourselves and invest in our business? So we outfitted our office with shelves and shelves of pillows and vases and Color paintings, schemes. all different kinds of things so that we literally come in with eight Ikea bags to every single shooting. It takes us four hours, but the property always looks stunning. So it sounds like there's also interior design capacity oh, yeah. or capability is that something that you guys do did you outsource it you just had a flair for it we love it i mean it's something that we touch on each time depending on what the property needs um I think it became a really learned thing just because we shopped with so many buyers and they would say, oh, I like this. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like that. And each time we made a mental note of what people like and even subconsciously, we would transform a listing that we would have based on how someone else likes something. So I think that was based on experience. I think we're both very creative. We love you know, the industry is very tech oriented and very business oriented. So adding that creative part of it just fulfills us. I and it think. makes a huge impact on what um, what it shows in the photos or we, in a video. We've had clients say we don't want to move anymore. That's happened Literally. more than once. I've yeah. seen it on HGTV once or twice. Oh, yeah. Now, it's, it's, it is not just the two of you. You said you have a small team. Yes. Uh, so 
you know, do you have like, ha- like, is there a right hand? Is there a left hand? Is it all collaborative? Do you have, you know, different people doing different, very different tasks? Or is there a lot of overlap? How does it work for you? So I think that uh, we all have the same values when it comes to real estate in general, um, but we all offer different um, strengths. Yeah. We work with different uh, with different buyers and sellers depending on personalities. Yeah. So do you hire your team with that in mind? Like when you when you hire, what do you look for? It's not. It's funny. It's not really how we've gone about it, but it's sort of what became the model. Um, so what we... I guess what we started doing right now is every different member in our team operates differently and wants something different out of their business. So that's where we bring value as the leaders is how do we develop it so that they're doing exactly what they love to do. So we definitely have one broker who's fantastic listing properties. She's a go-getter. She's a shark. She wants to close them in multiple offers. She'll, she got an offer on an Instagram post from a, chi- a buyer in China. Like, it's really cool. And we have another broker who loves working with loves buyers. working with buyers and can convert at a very high level. Converting in our industry means when someone goes to an open house who's unrepresented, can she essentially get she them becomes, as her client? She becomes their friend. She'll literally go to their house for dinners on a oh, Sunday. Yeah. They, she'll show up to their bridal showers and weddings and things like that. So, yes, definitely different people fill in different, but it just happened that way. How do, how do you find your people? Are they gravitating towards you? Are you searching out? Are you reaching out? Like over the years, you've been doing this for 10 years now. So how have you found your team over, done over the different time? Things, That's a great question. I think so far everyone has gravitated towards us. I don't think we've seized the opportunity yet in building in numbers um i think that's one thing that we'll consider doing in the future as we get better with this whole thing but to date everyone has kind of been pulled in and it either you know we go through a really intensive recruiting process um personality profiles that we do mm -hmm. um interview process and then tiffany's favorite the coffee coffee test test. the coffee test yes (laughs) we've heard so much about it actually we haven't heard a thing about it what is this coffee test well, like I was saying, the recruiting process is is really extensive just because there are so many interviews and personality tests. And then we talk about goals. What are your vision? How do you operate? How do you care about people? Because our industry is how are you really bringing value and servicing your clients? Um, and the coffee test is just after everything. You know, is this candidate perfect? Can we have coffee with them? Just talking about life, about goals, about their family. Will we enjoy half an hour, an hour talking with them and if it's yes then welcome to the and team we're all for it how much does you know there you know it's it is a cutthroat business there's a lot of people out there and a lot of it is about money mm-hmm. um how is it that you know does does money ever impact or impede your 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 hiring somebody does it is that the driving incentive or you try and find other ways to make them feel part of the team like what's what's worked for you when you did so you didn't have to throw tens of thousands of dollars at somebody I think anyone who's solely motivated by money would never fit in our team. It would be a very short-term hire. Our culture is the opposite of that. We believe that the more value we provide, the better service we offer, the money will just come. That's really what we believe in. We wouldn't have been in a partnership for so long, I think, if we were really just focused on the money. That's definitely true. Quick question, just popped in my head. You were talking about drones before. Yes. (laughs) Is your drone still intact or have you busted it? We've busted it so many times. But it's all all learning. You know what that's great about these companies is that you send it to get fixed. They send it back to you two weeks later and you're good to go. Is droning really important in your business? I mean, uh, who really looks at their house on the top? It's It's fun. It's fancy. It makes the house look nice. The sellers love it. Mm. Buyers love it. 
if you have a nice backyard or you're backing on to a golf course, which we just had True. a couple months ago, if you have a backdrop of a mountain, it's so hard to show that in a regular beautiful photo. Yeah. So drone photo just, it showcases all those extra pieces. The location too. And uh, and I think, you know, one of the aspects I want to explore, you know, when we come back, because you guys have been this for 10 years, is you're not actually at the same office for the last 10 years. You've right. switched a couple of times. We have. Going to be very interesting to hear what's worked for you and what hasn't worked for you and why why you are where you are today. And coming up, we'll talk to Ernie about uh, real estate and taxes. Today's entrepreneur on CJAD 800, Tanya Bonney and Tiffany Rothwell of Proprioactive are our guests this evening. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar on FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. And we're chatting on uh, real estate tonight with uh, Tanya Bonnie and Tiffany Rothwell of Popio Active. And uh, just looking at your uh, following on the social media, guys, you're doing very well. We Thank like to you. check up on that Thanks. once in a while. So you're big on Instagram, huge on Facebook, I see, uh, well over 5,000 likes. So that's really, really good. Um, what is your social media strategy and how integral is it to your business? That's a great question. I think it was a work in progress for me it anyways. Was. Oh, yeah. I've been pushing Tanya like every single, I think every single year. Um, no, but w I think you've been great with it. And uh, for us, it's a way of connecting with people. I mean, we meet so many clients there first before they become our actual client. Yes. It's a great way of showcasing listings. I mean, there's so many tools now that you could promote a listing with. Or you can promote a sale that you've had to generate more leads to yourself. I think it's been invaluable. Gone are the days of newspaper ads. We've yes. We haven't done those in like eight years. But like you did years, used to yes. do that. <laughs> we, we did. When we first started, we didn't we know did. better. Um, but we definitely don't do that anymore. So social media plays a huge part in our company. Absolutely. When you, I, is there one particular aspect, like you, you, Dan was saying, Facebook was important. Instagram, yes. no question, is important. No question. Did you ever yeah. use Pinterest? Did you I ever use Pinterest. any other forms of social media? Mind, I, I use Pinterest probably most of all, but it's for a different part of our business. It's not to lead generate. It's exactly. really to design all of our renovation projects, all of our flips, all of the things we do for clients to kind of relook designs. It's 100% on Pinterest. I have probably over 100 boards and some, sometimes it's based on demographics. So in NDG, this is what they're looking for. In Point Claire, this is what they're looking for. Because obviously in the Sudwest, you're not going to get the same renovation style as Westmount. So that's what Pinterest is used for. Any social media platforms that you actually don't think are doing so well or wouldn't work so well for you? We don't use Twitter that much. <laughs> or Snapchat. Yeah. I can't get used to that, man. I don't know how you guys are doing it. I'm just it, getting but... used to Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't get the whole snapping thing, but you know what? Maybe I'm becoming a dinosaur. Who knows? But... Is there anything, so marketing, because you've been marketing for the last 10 years since Absolutely. you've been together. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that, that just didn't work at all that you, that you learned from or... Uh, or stuff that or you, you kind of progressed as you grew with the times. I think we tried Twitter for a while. It phased out for us because Instagram and Facebook were our main sources yeah. for networking. We've tried to buy leads. That was a huge failure. Yes. We've tried pay-per-clicks and the conversion ratio is like 0 0.001. A lot of them um, were epic fails. That was a big one, I think, for us, for sure. We've tried to buy from different companies that sell leads to you or virtually cold call. Um, I'm sorry, not virtually. Yeah, virtually cold call and uh that did not work we spent a lot of money on that um 
in like not six figures, but definitely five it was, figures. It was all trial and error. Like our entire business. We've exactly. been failing forward. Yeah. So in the end, organic is the best then for, for your business, you think? Right now. And the type of clients we have, I think uh, we've had the best result with that. As we grow, hopefully technology will change with us as well. And there'll be tons of other tools that we'll be either we'll be developing or we'll be jumping on. But for now, everything is very organic. And we evolve with the times. Mm-hmm. You've been doing this for a long time. Do you remember, like when you first got into it, do you remember like one of your first offers and, you oh know, without God. the knowledge that you, that you've accumulated <laughs> It's ingrained today. in our head. <laughs> it was so bad. And, and kind of what did you learn from that? Like what changed your, uh, your, your view on that going forward? I think I learned that we go in what full was it? confidence, I mean, like, but what did you learn, Tanya? Well, explain the story process. first so yeah. we have an understanding where you, where you start. So our very first offer, I think we'd been in the business maybe a week or two. Yeah. We'd gone to see um, a beautiful penthouse condo in old Montreal with a client who probably knew that we were newer agents. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to put a lowball offer. And when I mean lowball, it was half the price of this of this penthouse condo, which you can imagine. And we were so excited with that offer. Yes. We <laughs> wrote up that offer and we ran right to the agent's <laughs> office. And this agent was one of the top selling agents in Westmount at the yeah. time. Yeah. So we went in to see her um, and she was pretty upset when she saw the offer. Um, upset is an understatement. Yeah. She wanted to throw us out of her office Literally. at first. Yeah. And for good reason. We showed up with an offer half filled out, half price. It was really embarrassing at the time. But I think we turned that one around because she ended up becoming a really good contact of ours. And we she collaborated a with lot. her many times. Yeah. yeah. She taught us a lot. And I think that touches on another lesson. Um, you're intimidated by some of these agents and you say the market is cutthroat. But there are a lot of agents who are willing to share and teach you and mentor you um to what they know so let's talk about agencies you know there's very few um i guess real estate brokers that are completely on their own and independent there's a lot of agencies out there you've you're in your third one now i believe yeah take us through the progression about you know why the first one why the move to the second then go to the third what what worked for you what didn't work for you so for us uh we started with a small boutique agency in westmount Uh, We thought that brought a lot of value to us because of the dynamic of the agency. It was just the right fit for us at the time. We were starting and we were hungry. Yeah, and the agency owner at the time. And it was not expensive to be part of it? Or did price come into play? In this case, no, because I was 22 and Tanya was really young at the time. And we knew we needed the right fit in terms of the leadership. And the leadership at the time was built on adversity and just going for things. And we really fit with that. So we didn't mind the price tag and we didn't mind the lack of tools or resources. We loved the mindset and we loved that motivated drive that it gave us. The culture of that particular agency. Absolutely. That was the right fit for us at that time. This was going back 10 years. Right. How long were you at that agency, approximately? We were there about four years. Yeah, we stay loyal to, I find, brokerages for a long period of time. So now, why why the switch from there? What what wasn't fulfilling what you needed to do? We needed a change. I think we were starting to grow. And we'd hit a ceiling of how we could grow within that brokerage at the time. So we were recruited by a really big banner, and it was the first time we had ever learned of any of the tools that a big banner could offer. Imagine going from a startup company, small to a major corporation to like a really exactly. That's very well said. Um, And we loved it. We we jumped in head first. And again, a couple years later, we felt like we hit a ceiling there as well because we had all the tools. We developed everything to be perfect for us. And we were looking for the next 
So a few years later, I think we were outgrowing that mm-hmm. um, particular environment as well. Um, and then outgrowing came because they didn't have the right tools, because it was the wrong culture, because it was wrong the wrong people around the room. Like, like what was wrong what culture? Didn't work? Wrong culture. You know what? This I feel like people in general have have really gotten on top of this trend of coaching and personal development yes. and business coaching, and we had never heard of those terms before until someone called us out of the blue and said, hey, I want to go for coffee. I want to talk to you about what I'm bringing into Montreal. We sat down with these, this person who was a business coach, and um, he's he just slid a book across the table. He was like, I think you'd like this. And it changed our life. It really changed. Our, we started getting more into personal development and tons of coaching. We started getting into the idea of building a team, which we, we had never, never thought, thought of it before. It was just Tanya and I and an administrative assistant. So that coaching is what Let us- made us kind of switched what to was that the brokerage. Book? What was the book? It's called The One Thing the One by Thing. Gary Keller. Yeah. So now Great you switch book. to this. So so did the does the current agency cuz you're with the third one now. You're still with them. We're still with them. Um, yeah. What attracted you there? How how much did this book in relation to the current agency and what you needed to do? How was how was that? It just stretched our mind and stretched our business and we suddenly had all these different coaching seminars to go to and all these different things to do and and now that's pretty standard for every entrepreneur but you can imagine at the time we were like we felt like tiny fish in a giant sea where we just wanted to swim everywhere yeah it was new and wonderful and we felt super aligned with the vision that they um, cast we're always looking for more and I think that really challenged us to do more um you know, and raise the bar. We believe that our business grows to the extent that we do. So really taking on all that extra knowledge was was uh, was key. We spoke about networking earlier in the show. How important is networking to you guys? And is that a big form of marketing, putting yourselves out there in the community and all that? Absolutely. And I think networking with uh, people, but networking with other agents as well. Yeah. We have a lot, a lot of clients outside of Montreal um, that are referred to us by, by other agents in Toronto or Ottawa. So we network quite often with uh, a other lot of brokers. different people. Collaboration is key in our business right now. When you're against 11 other offers, if you're really good at collaborating and your reputation is really good, you'll most likely be favored among the 11 other offers. So your client ends up winning more than not. And we try and teach our team that as well. It's really important to be great collaborators. So networking with agents and clients and potential clients is all very important it goes hand in hand mm-hmm. when you when you started you, you also started buying and selling your own properties yes we did and how long ago did you start that for me it was three years ago about the same yeah yeah and for another one most of our team members are older so they've been doing it for a long time we have one agent who builds his own homes and he airbnbs them and it's a really great business and it's really cool i don't you know love to talk to you about that but that we can do a whole other show on we and could bloopers. come back if we, we wanted we, to. We, we, we learned a lot. <laughs> no, there there is really so much because it's not just about uh, not just about the agency. It's about buying and selling and renovating and staging all that yeah. stuff. So uh, no, very interesting. Thank you. There's so many branches to real estate. Oh yeah. We'll have your one piece of advice in a few minutes, so hang on for that, guys. And coming up, you know, once you sold the property, well, there's the tax issues, uh, yes. and there's there's a few of those to deal with. And Ernie Furt will take us through that in just a moment. Professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 
Today's entrepreneur inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar on FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you and our guests this evening, Tanya Bonney and Tiffany Rothwell of Poplio Active. And we'll have their one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in a few minutes. But first, we welcome back Ernie Furt, tax partner at FL, to talk about real estate and taxes and all those complications. Welcome back, Ernie. Thank you. So, Josh, we've sell the place. Obviously, there are complications. We'll talk about capital gains and others uh, in a few minutes, but uh, it's something that we should all be conscious of for sure. No question. And I think, you know, there there is a lot of talk about real estate. You know, is it buying? Is it selling? Is it buying a property here? Or is it maybe buying or selling a property in the U.S.? Is it buying it and operating it as rental income? Is it, you know, is it buying, is renovating it, it and flipping it? There's so it many commercial? different aspects. Is it residential? Is, is it, it GST? No GST. <laughs> all the fun stuff that you could do discuss on this time. Exactly. So so let's talk first about, uh, you know, buying a, pro- you know, and we're coming up to winter. So quickly, let's get this out of the way. You're, you want to buy a property in the States and you want to sell it down the road. What are the few things you got to keep in mind? Depending where the money is coming from. Okay. So you have two choices. You have your own money personally, you're going to borrow it, whatever, or you have money sitting in a corporation. So you have two choices as to where to take it from. And that question is, what are you going to do with it? What's the purpose of the purchase? Is it for your own enjoyment? We'll say yes. Okay, Personal say enjoyment. Yes. Personal. No, en- I'm going to take it back. You're going to rent. You're going to buy a place. You're going to use it. You're going to rent it out now, and you might use it for yourself down the road because you want to retire in Arizona, but you're not ready there yet because you have you have a business and you're running it. But you know there's an opportunity. There's a great buy to happen now. You're going to buy it. You're going to rent it, and then use it later. Okay. So let, let's say I, I do it through a corporation. So right away, I'm going to buy it. I may finance part of it, and, and, I, and I'll purchase the property and rent it out. So I have to file a tax return now, but I have to file a U.S. return because the property is sitting in Arizona. So I'm going to file a, a U.S. federal return plus an Arizona state return. On that, there's not going to be too much tax in Arizona. I don't think there's any, actually. On the, oh, on the corporate side, there is. Sorry. Um and uh, take my, I haven't forced to take my depreciation in the U.S., unlike here in Canada where depreciation is a choice. So that's what I would do. And if I'm going to use that for my, own, for, for my own self, potentially, then there's a taxable benefit issue, and that's complicated. Now, what if it's the opposite? What if it was somebody in the U.S. buying a property here and renting it out? Then uh, there's withholding is there, tax. Is there is there a lot of filing requirements? There's a lot of filing requirements with respect to buying a property here and renting it out. You know, let's say for the most part, we'll talk about individuals doing that. So an individual comes comes up here, buys a property, and says he wants to rent it. So you're kind of forced into a situation where either you're going to pay 25% withholding tax on the gross rental income and you're done and you don't have any other responsibility to, to do as long as you remit that 25% of the gross rental income or you have a choice and you say, you know what, I would rather uh, file a tax return and pay on the net rental income. So then you have to file, uh, make an election. You have to have a Canadian agent who's going to pay them the monthly withholding, and it's going to be 25% on the net rental income as opposed to the gross rental income. And then you're going to file a tax return where you could claim depreciation, and you're going to pay the requisite amount of tax on on that. And and then when you sell it, there's a capital gain, uh, both federal and Quebec. But for the rental part, there's only a 25% federal tax. You do not pay anything to Quebec. You said a four-letter word earlier called sales tax. Yes. 
That only that doesn't apply on residential stuff. If it's if it's new, it applies. Okay, so you could purchase a a, a new property. Uh, I'm assuming that it's going to be in Canada because there's no we're not uh, right. dealing with anything in the United States with that. But you get a new rental property or a substantially renovated rental property, or 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 a personal residence that's new. You're going to pay GST and QST on that. You may or may not be subject to uh, a rebate depending on the value of the purchase of the property, both rental and uh, and uh, and personal. If the value is over 450000 if you paid over 450000 you're not getting a cent back with respect to GST. If it's under, you may have an opportunity to get some of that those dollars back, but maybe not a whole heck of a lot. We were chatting before uh, with Tanya and Tiffany about buying and renovating and selling properties. Uh, you know the, the the thought process. You know, and as you're as you're planning, as entrepreneurs buy and sell, you know they do have to take into account the tax consequences. There's capital gains tax, but then there's just regular business income and regular tax. Depends on of, your frequency and depends on your on your intention. If if your intention is to buy, renovate, sell, uh, that's not a capital gain. You can try for it, but if you don't have the facts that support it. It won't be considered to be a capital gain by by the tax authorities. And over here in Quebec, we're fortunate enough to have two tax authorities. Both Quebec and the federal government will look at you. Very stuff. fortunate. Very fortunate. I, I know a lot of boomers are in the following scenario. So empty nest, et cetera, et cetera. They want to downsize. The choice then becomes, do I just flip it as is and you know pr profit from the real estate market? Or do I invest and try to try to flip it for something a little bit greater? Can you avoid capital gains in that situation if you're renovating to sell? I'm renovating to sell, but I'm renovating my own house. Is that mm -hmm. what you're saying, yeah. Dan? On your own house, for, for Canadian purposes, right now, you can gain, get a million-dollar gain, a $2 million gain, and it's not taxable. Okay, It's a principal residence exemption. So if you have no other real estate that you lived in or claimed a principal residence exemption on, and you owned it from day one and lived in it from day one until, uh, until the day you sold it, then you get a full 100% principal residence exemption. So if you want to invest a little bit money uh, into the property in order to to spruce it up or to make it even you know better, then go ahead. The only thing that you should not do is completely gut the property to its four bare walls because at that point in time, you have something called a substantial renovation for GST and QST purposes where you're going to have to sell that property with GST and QST as opposed to not. And you're going to be deemed to be a builder. And we can do a whole other show on oh, that. Oh, wow. This stuff. is complicated. <laughs> it is. But, but you raised a point earlier. Intent. Intent is is big. No, do you, you don't sell a tent. You're not going to sell a tent. You're not going to no get much sell, No selling tents. Maybe in the <laughs> desert. But not here, in the cold desert. Uh, but intent, uh, you know, how important is that? And and is it require? How tangible does the proof have to be? It, ha it If you're listing something... Uh, with with uh, with Tanya and Tiffany to rent, and you're you're not getting you're not getting the bites. All of a sudden, you decide to sell, or you decide to list it with somebody else. You renovate a little bit for the purposes uh, of of renting the property. You can't afford the uh, not having any revenue coming in. So all of a sudden, your intent changes. So now I got to sell because I can't afford the monthly payments because I don't have my rent coming in as I want the rent to come in. So at that point in time, you're switching your intent from rental to sell, but 
you're still going to get a capital gain because the intention, primary intention, there's always primary intention and secondary intention. And this is a and whole thing on intention. There's always many types of intentions, good intentions and bad intentions. You can keep going for a long time on this. Excellent. Thanks very much, Ernie. I know it's a, it's a big topic, so it's a, it's a lot to cover in just a short period of time. Thanks very much. Thanks. And as we approach the last moment of our show, as we do each week, we'll turn to Tanya and Tiffany and ask you each, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? We'll start with Tiffany. That's a great question. Um, I think my piece of advice would be to really not fear rejection and just go for it. Even when everyone is saying no, if your gut feeling is really to do something and you're going to ruffle a few feathers, just do it. Trust your gut. Excellent. And Tanya? Just be persistent. And like Tiffany was saying earlier, fail forward. You learn from all of your experiences, whether they're negative, positive. There's always something to take from every experience. Excellent. Thank you very much, ladies. Dan, I, I agree. We, we hear it often and I couldn't agree more. You can't, you don't, you don't have to be a perfectionist. You know, if you wait for that, things will just never happen. Josh, uh, you're off next week. Uh, next, next two weeks. Two weeks uh, heading to Asia, <laughs> heading to Hong Kong. Wow. Rubber, rubber bullets will bounce off me. That's okay. <laughs> don't forget to bring your helmet. Uh, we'll see you back here in two weeks. And next Monday, uh, Michael Newton will be in from FL, of course. And we're going to. Next two a, Mondays, actually. Nice follow up. Actually, we'll talk about home decor next week with uh, Maison La Parry. So stay tuned for that. Uh, thanks very much to Tanya and Tiffany of Popio Active. Guys, best of luck. Thank you Thank guys you so, so much for much. having us. This was great. And Ernie Furt, tax partner at FL. Thanks, Ernie. We'll see you soon. Don't forget a decade worth of entrepreneur profiles at todaysentrepreneur.org all there and we'll see you back here next monday night at seven good night